0: podcast thank you so much for taking some time my name is michael gray his name is scott hershey we are back after a two-week absence because we were quite literally absent (laughs) um it's fall in montana and people got stuff to do yeah they do uh
1: i took a week off of work for the first week of rifle season in the state of montana uh and uh, now it suddenly turned winter all yeah. those things happen in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, we've had a number of things go down. Uh, the ongoing hunting season, we will get to updating in a minute. It is winter in Montana. It is, uh, as we record this, like seven degrees. Uh, there's three inches of snow in the forecast. That is the exact same forecast as yesterday and the day before, where they were both seven degrees with about three or four inches of snow in the forecast.
1: Yeah, so, and uh, this is a little unusual for this time of year. Sometimes, I mean, obviously snow and cold is not, but for it to stick and for it to be the in the forecast, for uh you know 20s and 30s where this snow isn't going to melt off uh this is this is a little unusual but you know when it turns winter sometimes it
0: just turns winter now it begs the question uh, does this is this rather the winter that uh, so many of the people we've discussed when we talked about montana getting meaner and less welcoming to the outsiders this is the one you always hear people praying for. They're like, oh, these transplants, all these Californians, all these cows from California, Oregon, and Washington. We got to have ourselves a good old-fashioned Montana winter, right. and that's going to scare them out. You know it's like, uh, I don't know what this, like, brooming out a roach or something. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Is this is this it? Is
1: this going to do it? Well, there's two different versions of that. So I, I think there's 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 either the ultra-cold winter which sometimes doesn't mean a lot of snow. It just means it gets really cold for extended periods. And we had one of those not too long ago where there was below zero temperatures For quite a few days in a row. That's the ultra-cold winter that people talk about. Or you could have the winter that starts early and stays late where it just seems like it's never going to (laughs) end. That's the one that I think would drive more people out. Because if you think about it, you're dealing with driving in the snow. You're dealing with snow, uh, all all the things that come with it. And here we are. It's not even Thanksgiving. So it started right around the 1st of November. Halloween didn't have a bunch of snow, but immediately afterwards. And then if it goes all the way into March or April, that is a good chunk of the year. You're not just getting the three-month seasonal thing. You're getting a longer period of time where... Winter's going to get old about that end of it. Well, and allow me to be that guy
0: because I think, um, you know, and if you if you haven't checked out the podcast before, if you're new to the show, we're just two guys living life in Montana, and we talk to people who also uh, have or do live in Montana from different walks of life. I lean into the winter thing. I like to ice fish. I like to snowboard my family skis. I like being outside. I like riding my four-wheeler more in the mm-hmm. snow than I do in the dirt. Uh, I like the fact that my truck doesn't get muddy, Right. <laughs> because it's cold, everything's frozen. Right. Um, but you do have to be built of a certain stuff and not for nothing. My sister did the 23 and me and all of my lineage, my entire bloodline is pre- uh, predominantly Scotland with a little smattering of UK and then Scandinavia, mm-hmm. and Sweden and Denmark. So this is this is what I'm built for. It's just pasty cold weather people <laughs> that just used to wear animals to keep from dying in the winter time i don't like the winter
1: uh i as soon as i'm done with hunting season then i have no more use for it i mean i can go snowboarding on occasion i might do a little fishing but it's not i don't like ice fishing so oh, ice well, i'm ready for best. it to be spring as soon as uh, as soon as christmas and new year's is over that, that's about it then i'm ready to turn to turn the switch again so the long ones really get to me
0: well, and that's, that's what I wonder, because in Alaska, they will tell you, at least from the locals that I've talked to the handful of times I've been up there, that they don't even think about you as a resident until you've been through three winters. Mm-hmm. Because winter up there is dark, long, lasts forever, it's very cold, it's full of polar bears and moose. And so if you don't survive uh, through three winters, and a lot of people don't, they, they, throw, their oh, arms, I'm sure, yeah. they throw their arms up there, Enough of this shit! I'm out of here! <laughs> and then they, and they head south. Um, That's the kind of winter that the locals have been praying for. So remember that if we get the long winter, because about halfway through January, you find somebody who's third generation going, man, I can't believe it's still freezing cold. Yeah. Um, Well, it depends on where you come from.
1: We always talk about the warm weather people coming up here and having an issue, and they're going to have problems with both. That the snow yes. and the cold? Yes. Sometimes people come from the upper Midwest, like you, and then people will tell you how bad the Montana winters are, and you're like, well, which aspect of it is bad? Because you get a right. taste of a little of all of that in a lot of regions of the country. You know, unless you're, you're south, and any part of the south, whether it be southwest or, or California or, or all the way over into the deep south, you, you, get, you get none of it. So if you're used to some of it, you're just maybe not used to the kind of the the other part of it right the snow or the ultra cold and and uh, when we get those those below zero temperatures we like to now as montanans think we, we it's almost like we like them like oh yeah wait till we get to
0: 20 below we don't like it either <laughs> it sucks for everyone <laughs> but that's what they'll tell you makes you montanan because right. you went through it and you survived and you didn't die. And we will complain about it yeah. just as much as anybody
1: right up until the California guy walks into the room. Right. right.
0: And then we we shut our mouths and pretend like it's okay. <laughs> Start pounding your chest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Go outside without your jacket on just to prove you can do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, and you know, it's a, it's a solid point because if you're from Duluth, yeah, Montana's winter is not going to scare you. Yeah, it's actually the thing. The thing about Montana winters that I enjoy so much is that once it's done snowing and it hasn't been for three days, as we record this uh, here on uh, on the 9th of November, it hasn't stopped snowing for three days. But when it does, the sky's really nice. comes out it's blue. Do mm-hmm. you get into those midwestern places? Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota. It's gray. Uh, Wisco- it's gray. Sky's yeah. gray. The ground's gray. The people are gray. Everything's gray. There's nothing on the horizon no. that's pretty. No,
1: you don't get to look at the mountain like mountains appear out of nowhere yeah. when the sun comes out. You're like, oh my, God, that's beautiful, and it's all snow capped. Right? Yeah, it looks like a movie. All the trees have no nothing on them. Yeah, you're just walking around, living in Narnia. I used to go on a, a yearly trip down to Tennessee, and I got to see what their version of uh, winter was because it was January every year when I went there, and it's uh, there's no there's no snow. It did snow one time when I was down there. Out of out of like ten or twelve years, I went down there. It snowed one time to where there was actual snow and it shut down the entire state. But for the most part, their winter is just gray. yep. all the trees look like they're dead because uh, they got hardwood trees. It's different. and when you look at their their version of mountains, which which can be okay. I mean they, they got they got some decent mountains there, but it just looks unappealing. No. <laughs> it is really ugly.
0: Uh, it looks like a headless horseman should be running through it at all times. and it's like 40 all the
1: time it's 40 degrees and everybody's in a really heavy coat and everything's gray. The trees are gray, The sky's gray, the ground's gray, everything's gray. Yeah. And that's I think it's that's worse, you know. And you come here there that's why the seasons here are seasons. And this just happens to be a little early on the winter side but
0: Well, we've had we've had them late. The last 3 or 4 winters in Montana have been lame, brown Christmases. Gets cold in April. Stupid. Yeah. You know. I'd rather <laughs> let's lead on this now you have some cold weather and some snow and the extended forecast looks like we're going to get lots of that which brings us to uh this important transition because it is still hunting season here mm-hmm. in montana the we're in last, the middle of it past a couple of podcasts we've had some people in we had uh we had ed in from capital sports in helena montana talking about the youth hunts uh, i haven't even recapped that yet you went out on your hunting trip and there's snow on the ground which changes hunting season quite a little bit because now you're hunting in frigid temperatures Changed our
1: plans because there was so much snow the walking in it for me i i don't like walking in deep snow people will tell you you know i can't wait for the snow to bring the elk down that's right. just the phrase you hear uh it definitely changes the elk activity but it also makes it really hard to get out and walk around in the hills when you're post and high stepping through snow long walks become really long not great bob no and so um and opening weekend uh opening week there's a lot of hunters out so that's the bad combination later on the season is when the they're supposed to come in the weather comes in the elk go to their winter ground it changes what they're doing but also there's less hunters so having a bunch of hunters and a bunch of snow necessarily is not a great thing and 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 the harvests were down across the state. The check uh, game check stations, uh, elk harvest, deer harvest, all of it was right. down because a lot of people did not go or were unable to do what they wanted to do.
0: Now I want to get to uh, I want to get to the youth hunt follow up because anybody that's been following that or or listen to that podcast might have some interest. But more importantly, for people that uh, don't follow us in our day jobs, where uh, we host a show with the Montana Radio Company on on regular old uh, old fashioned black and white television radio. Um, we have reached an important point in the year. It's one of those things that I've come to count on. My years in Montana, there are a few things I always count on, and one of them is the transition for Scott Hershey between <laughs> I can't wait to go to elk camp to this is stupid, I'm not doing this anymore, I don't know why I bother, this is a waste of my time and money. We reached that a few days ago. Yes, we, we were did. Like, I've reached it. You went out with your buddies, you spent 8 9 days living out in a, in a cabin doing the thing, snowed in, played cornhole indoors, did all of the things, came back like, well, that was a stupid waste of time and money and I don't know why Walked I do this. my
1: took us off. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I always take this epic walk on the first morning. For some reason, I think it's going to do something. Instead of going out and strategically finding you know a spot and getting ready to to have a plan. My plan on opening morning is always to walk until my legs can't walk for the next 2 days. That's my plan. I right. cover all the ground and I do it inadvertently, I didn't mean to, but I just my hopes are so high and my energy level is at the highest of, it, of oh, the whole yeah. season and I end up walking too far. I end up looking for elk over every ridge. I end up and I ended up doing that opening and I said my, I'm not going to do this this year. I have a you know, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then now, I I walked so far, my legs were dead. And the next morning I got up and did it again. That's what kind of kept me from doing that in the snow. It's like I can't lift them, much less lift them over snow that's knee high. So uh it did that's what I did this year and no. Uh, I actually saw elk opening morning. Two. Um <laughs> Cow and a calf, but uh, so there were elk out there. Neither one of those is on the menu. I also drove a bull across the road, which I did not see, and somebody else saw or drove it right in front of their truck as they drove down the road as I was coming down for my epic walk. So that's the way my luck is, and from that moment on, I knew my luck had not changed. Nobody, (laughs) No no sudden change in luck after 44 years of hunting, and uh, and I was like, well, there it is. I just drove a, a bull to somebody else, and I know my season's going as it usually does.
0: Well, and the other thing is, and people around here, Uh, assume that you and i talk more than we do um because while you're out at your annual hunting camp that always precedes your annual surrender and all things hunting (laughs) i had a number of people asking me did scott get an elk i said do you think there's a chance that it wouldn't be on a billboard somewhere, that there wouldn't be some sort of bat signal situation, that it wouldn't be on every Facebook page in uh, the 406 area code that Scott Hershey had downed a bull elk of any kind, a, five, a five-sided a five raghorn, doesn't matter if it had yeah. brow tines and it died. He would, have, he would call everyone in his phone contacts just to let them know. Um, and they're like, oh, well, how's it going for him? I'm like, well, I haven't heard uh, word one, so I assume not great. As always. I I bet you he's watched a lot of the Packers. Um, I'm guessing. <laughs> I did. I even made a trip back to town in the middle of my hunting camp to go
1: bowling. That's what I needed. <laughs> that tells you right there, like I wasn't having a great time. Like I'm going to come back. I'm going to go to bowling night. I'm going to have a few
0: beers with my buddies. I'm going to take the next morning off because I'm not going to feel like hunting, and then we're going to reevaluate the situation. It does speak to the embarrassment of riches that we have here in Montana is that you can technically be in elk camp and be within reach of league night for your bowling. 100%. They are not mutually exclusive. You are not forfeiting one for the other. You do run the risk of going to league night and discovering uh, that none of your league mates feel sympathy for you. In fact, one of your teammates, son, shot an elk this year so um
1: then that part of montana is true and that part of montana is something we can never take for granted is that i can go elk hunting in any direction around where we live in about well you can do it in as short as 20-25 minutes easily but it takes to get to my place uh about 35-40 minutes tops from my driveway to getting out of the truck to walk right and that is a beautiful thing
0: like be more beautiful if you were bringing home uh, out quarters. <laughs> I think that that walk feels a lot better
1: if you have a tag and some blood in your fingernails. Unfortunately, that drive is not long enough for me not to not still be mad when I get home. <laughs> so, wife's like, "How'd to go?
0: Slam, kick the boots off." That is um that is something and a plea to all of the the children, spouses, partners, roommates of hunters in montana can we just say like you don't have to ask how it went true if i haven't called ahead sent a photo if i don't come bounding through the door like an irish setter that missed his buddy all day there's a fair bet that i I did bring home a harvest yeah just me
1: looking like i look Another tip, for all those people who say, well, the kill isn't why we do it. Like, we do it because of the love. We do it all for all these reasons. the the adventure. adventure. Uh, That was true until about, oh, I don't know, 30 years into this (laughs) of trying to get a bull elk. Uh, I don't know, twenty, ten. You pick a pick a point. At some point, that transitioned from man, it's beautiful out here. Here's another picture of a sunset. Into, I'd really like to kill
0: a bull elk. I do. I did before I die. I did check my Instagram uh, feed, and typical of hunting season, there are a lot of uh, a lot of really nice sunrises. Oh yeah. I I took one again this year. It's a beautiful sunrises. (laughs) And they are, by the way. Like, there's one of those things where you're like, wow, I live here, and I need to uh, document this in photo form. And then you realize eight weeks later, once you've survived the archery season and the regular rifle season Mm -hmm. and everything else, I just took stupid pictures of sunsets, and I did not need to get out of bed at 5 a.m. to do that.
1: Um, For those people who don't live here and you see all the pretty pictures of Montana, you could literally uh, almost any given day— While you're hunting, turn in almost any given direction and take a beautiful picture. Elk don't live in in ugly places. Nope. And um, the morning you took your son out was one of the most beautiful, picturesque fall mornings I've ever seen in this state. And I knew... That morning when the kids went out, I was like, first of all, the weather was perfect. It was cool. It wasn't too cold for the kids. Right. And uh, Montana had one of the most most beautiful fall uh, seasons we've ever had here. And that morning, the sunlight and everything was a perfect recipe for just picturesque mornings.
0: And that brings me to this, because the last time we talked about this, it was the youth hunt. It was my son's first opportunity to go out. And his season was not only successful, but in a hurry. Uh, we went out that opening morning for the youth hunt here, and I got him to the spot, and I was all the way to one knee, taking off my pack and sliding it on the ground. I'm like, all right, we're going to be right here. If all goes well, the deer are going to filter. Hand me my binos. <laughs> okay, that's a buck right there. <laughs> and and this deer, I, I, if I hadn't processed the entire thing myself by hand, cut it up, ground it up, froze it up, um i would have guessed this deer was on a remote control <laughs> this is like one of those deer that fwp uses to see if you're shooting illegally mm. this deer was walking right towards my son and i at about 160 yards and i got him down on the shooting sticks just like we would practiced and all the things like we were talking about with ed Beale from capital sports and i'm like all right here's the thing he's coming at you it's too narrow wait if he gives you a, a broadside shot he's close enough now he's inside your range go ahead and you take it and that deer walked to a hundred yards 98.6 if you want to get picky (laughs) and i did range it out to the 10th of the yard and turned sideways and my son went thumbed off the safety click boom deer went down didn't take a step nice down in a pile so fast in fact that the recoil of the rifle for the moment of the boom on the gun uh my son came up oh no did i miss like nope, <laughs> that's good that <laughs> that deer's eight shades of dead, and didn't take a step, and I couldn't even show him the heart as we were going through the vital organs as nice. you, as you got the animal out, I want to be like, these are the lungs, this is the liver, this is the stomach, don't nick that uh this is the this is the uh the bathroom, this is where all this is, and then I got to the heart, and I'm like, you know you're supposed to uh you know some people have you take a bite of it, uh, smear heart blood on you, whatever it is. I'm like, um. I would have you eat the heart of this deer, son, but you would need a straw because that shot was laser guided. Excellent! It was perfect. I gotta, I, I gotta say,
1: I you know, for anybody who uh, whose first buck or whose kid's first buck was a big buck, okay, fine. Uh, I think that there's nothing better than a kid shooting a four horn, a two point on his first hunt. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And and I love that. And every time I see a picture of them, I'm like that. Almost because it gives them such appreciation for something that's not a trophy. And you see the smile on their face, and it makes you appreciate the experience. Like anybody can smile when they got a big giant buck, and sometimes those kids do that, and that's lucky. And it and and the problem is where do you go after that? Um, Right. But I love those pictures of the little two point like that is. It's like they were made to be. It's like kids and puppies. You know, first hunters and two point muley bucks. You're in Montana, that's perfect.
0: Well, and it certainly it changed the trajectory of my hunting season a ton because this is a this is a first time experience for him. It was a first time experience for me. It went perfectly, mm-hmm. right at first light. Boom! Took the pictures. My my wife and my daughter were out of town at a volleyball tournament. They were uh they were up in Kalispell, and we had two days to just bask in this. Like you're a man, you know, and did the whole thing, and it that, that was on a Thursday. Saturday general season opened in Montana, and I still went out mm. without a care in the world. I'm like, I don't give a crap. I'm like It's all gravy. I almost stayed in bed. I was just like, oh, it's not going to get better than that. I could shoot a 360-class bull elk, and it's not going to be as good as my kid getting his first deer. <laughs> yeah, it, It's going to taste better, but it's not going to be as good now let me tell you what the next
1: step is because we have a perfect opportunity for you here uh, And this comes directly from my father this is the gordon hershey methodology of teaching a kid to hunt it is now your responsibility to put that kid in some cheap boots and cheap mittens and march <laughs> him in this snow up and down the mountains all day for free days And uh, see nothing, by the way. You should go into an area where there's no animals, and that will teach that kid perspective on the first deer that he shot. And then uh, I wouldn't recommend the next step of my dad's process, and that's going in another... 10 years of doing that? No, go ahead and, you know, after that he can have success. But that's what my dad did is he marched us out in the snow and made us walk up and down the hills in some terrible gear, uh, and uh, and I will never forget it. Do, <laughs> do you think he was trying to break you of the habit because he secretly just wanted to hunt alone? No, I think that's the way my dad uh, did it all the time, and, and and unfortunately I was drug into that, and here I am today. So I didn't exactly learn from the greatest elk hunter in the world, uh, and <laughs> so... So it's not all my fault is what I'm saying.
0: I'll say this. Uh, I can't fault him for the cheap gear because my kid's uh, 11. And if you're real quiet, you can hear him growing. Yeah. And most decent hunting gear, <laughs> winter gear for that matter, it doesn't have to be hunting gear. It's not cheap. Right. Uh, so like boots and gloves and things. And when they outgrow them by the end of the month, you're annoyed. Like, man, <laughs>
1: yeah, what is going on with your feet? Shouldn't need a second set of expensive boots in a season, it but that's see- how
0: fast they grow. Right. Yeah. yeah and when it, you know he puts on the ones from last year and he's like yeah this is not happening i'm oh. like why not because he looks like fred flintstone his toes blast out the front uh so yeah i, I guess i understand it there but it was that is something and, and we've certainly seen uh, a number of these examples of people going out with their kids the importance of the the youth being involved in in the montana hunting tradition traditions the fact that i mean it happened so fast i i I'll be honest, selfishly, I wish we could have sat there for an hour or so and kind of talking strategy, and then watched the deer filter out and all of the things. Right. But it was over, click, bang. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I hunted a lot of years with and without my old man and never saw a deer. Never saw one, much less had a shot until I was a lot older than my kid. I'm like, no, instant success. Let's set the hook. Yeah. And, you know, next year it won't be a hard sell. And go ahead and get it he's already he's our he started he's actually turned the corner uh he's talking junk because i have not filled the tag because i've been happy-go-lucky with my season like yeah i didn't see anything i don't give a crap whatever we still got deer in the freezer and i've got a i already had my cousin do a euro mount of the skull it's up on his bedroom wall he's like look what i did i'm like yeah you did that and but then he's like, "So are you gonna do it, or is it just me this year? Am I feeding the family?" I'm like, "Settle down, <laughs> okay." Look here, Daniel Boone. Right. I had just about enough of you conquering the west. You did have help, by the way. Yeah, except one. Well, enough you know, not for nothing. Um, yeah, that was a spot. I I could have been there two days later and done that myself. I didn't. You're welcome, Little jerk. So yeah, it's uh, it, that was you know probably worth the recap because it was. And how old is you say? Eleven.
1: So he's 11. So he only got a one year head start through the apprentice program. Right. But that's still, uh, you know, I had to wait till I was 12. So that's still an opportunity. Still, he's got a, he's got more chances to do the youth hunt. So the youth hunt is more than one year for these kids to get yep. an early start, and that that's a cool thing.
0: I also got to see a buddy of mine. Uh, I was I was hunting with another guy, and his kid, who is 12, got his first elk, mm. and that was something. Yeah. Um. That to see to see those things happen for these kids to realize that there's there's another generation coming up from below that's uh, that's learning the right way from good people and having success. I, man, I, I lost hunting for a long time in my 20s because my early years were so bad and I had to come back to it. I loved doing it, but I had just zero success. And so to see that seed planted early, you know, that kid's going to have that. Oh, he's got that skull on the wall. Yeah. You know, I asked him if he wanted it out in the main room where I keep mine. He's like, no, no. I want this one in my room? That's my deer. I'm like,
1: fair enough. That's cool. And and you know, as much as I complain about my dad and joke about the way we did things, you know, there was a point in, that I didn't realize where it was the last time I went hunting with my dad. I can't remember exactly yes. when that was. Uh, my dad, my dad got to, he, he got to and it wasn't that he got really too old. He he ended up with some really bad knees, and uh, and that kept him from wanting to go hunting. It turned into a miserable experience for him, so he, he quit hunting. And I didn't see it coming. And so uh, those things, you know, right now I do a lot of hunting alone. But when you hunt with your dad, you hunt with your brother, you hunt with your family, that's that's what we've talked about is that is really... Uh, the tradition and that's really where this this whole lifestyle this whole this whole hunting thing that's where it really kind of sets itself deep into you that's why i go hunting today alone because of all the experiences i've had with my dad with my family you know out doing those hunts is why i still go out and you know i we just said i every year i complain every year i get to this point where i'm like i really want to go out that's going to have to be it. Some mornings I'll be like, nope, I had the alarm set. I'm not going. I just don't feel like it. But when you have somebody else, you're going to go every time. And you're going to end up with a good day every time. And and I think that, that that's an important part of this where you two you two can hunt together for a long time.
0: Yeah, for years to come, and, and there's a solid foundation there and, uh, and, and no shortage of expectations because in his mind, you just walk out, you put your stuff down, you lay down, you shoot a deer, you go home. I told him I was waiting. I was waiting for the sun to get a little bit higher to get a better angle for a photo. And he's like, "Well, what are we going to do?" I'm like, "Well, we just have to wait about five ten minutes. Have a sip of your cocoa." And he said, "It's still too hot." I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to shoot a deer within thirty seconds of arrival, man. Well, I had two sons who I took hunting and we got their
1: first bucks, and I almost remember them better than my own. I, in fact, I do remember their first bucks better than my own, and or first deer. Um, my youngest son, <laughs> similar only different. We were driving to. The hunting spot. It was light a little earlier than we expected. Uh, like we, uh, we didn't. Uh, we were we were a little later than we expected. And as we're driving by a field, which I already had permission for, there was deer out there, and so I had to wake him up to shoot a deer. He was sleeping in the car, and I'm like, "Hey, get your orange vest on, <laughs> get your rifle go outside. Time. We're gonna load up and we're gonna shoot those deer right there." And he woke up. He had a 243 that we had borrowed from a friend. We woke up. He shot a white-tailed doe in the field. We went out. We field dressed it. We brought it back to the truck, and he went back to sleep. <laughs> it was it was like a little um, a little under what your expectations should be. Maybe there should have been more of the experience there, but that was uh, just you know that's his version of it. And that's what happened there.
0: Well, it was a fantastic a fantastic way to go this year. And if I don't fill a tag, the whole season. Fine, absolutely fine with me because uh, to have that experience uh, to see that all go down, uh, the way it did. The, you mentioned the weather was perfect, wife and daughter were out of town, it was just he and I. It was really, really, mm-hmm. really, really cool. Uh, the only other thing that went on this week, uh, was the election, no, and geez. we're not talking about that. No, um, not, not now, not ever. There's enough everybody else is talking about that, and uh, I don't want to because. <laughs> One thing everybody wants to talk
1: about is the driving that takes place in yeah. Montana, a place that we pride ourselves of loving winter, Yeah, and we are so good at it. We all know how to be hardy, and all these newcomers don't know how to how to do any of this winter stuff, and yet no one knows how to drive, and everybody agrees on
0: that. I was going to say, there's a fair number of plates that are in the ditch on my way into town. <laughs> they're not all from California, no and they're not all new. Um, and they're not all on yeah. Toyotas some of them are four by fours where somebody got ballsy and ended up in the median <laughs> those who
1: have never been stuck those who have never been pulled out those who have never driven off the road raise your hand and uh, cast the first stone no one's raising their hand we've all done it we all that we've all at some point yeah. whether it be whether you're out on a county road or whether you're right here in town have slid or i got stuck in a parking lot and <laughs> had to be pulled out by a truck and i was in a truck happened to be a two-wheel drive truck it wasn't a great truck but i had to be pulled out because i could not move in a flat parking lot so it happens and that's that's a little embarrassing for us but it was done
0: that is my favorite by the way on uh, the rear wheel drive truthers oh boy that, uh, are gonna the light turns green and they're trying <laughs> Oh, they're pedaling as hard as they can. Yeah, that car's not going. I've had a couple of older trucks,
1: and the older ones they used to make were two-wheel drive. They don't make many of those anymore. But this, I had one in Missoula one time. It was like a '78 Ford, and it was a three-quarter ton. So it looked like a big, tough truck. Problem was it was two-wheel drive, and the problem was also it had a 460 in the front of it, which nearly kept the back wheels off the ground. Not a lot of traction going on back there. And in Missoula, they have the diagonal street parking, and the street, of course, is crowned so that the rain will run off. Of. Right. And I pulled in for diagonal street parking and could not back up to get out of my parking spot in the middle of Missoula in a big truck and it was embarrassing and uh you couldn't put enough weight in the back of that thing so i got rid of that truck that was uh <laughs> it drank about uh 8 gallons to the mile and it uh had uh, no weight in the back and it was a terrible truck for the state of montana but uh that was free so uh <laughs> i had to get rid of it quick though yeah but you can do that here you can get stuck as a montanan you can you oh, can I've be behind it. a montana that's terrible at driving
0: 100 percent. i've done it uh, there's a reason there's a there's a 10 ton tow strap in every vehicle that my family owns uh might be me that uses it for me right uh, I've, <laughs> I've done it before i got stuck a couple of times and had somebody pull up you got a tow strap yes i do and i'll uh, i'll even crawl underneath the front bumper that i just buried in this ditch and uh, i'll hook it up for you i
1: would even venture to say that most of the trucks that are ultra prepared when you're out hunting you'll see these trucks and they get a winch on the front right and i would say that most of those winches are used to pull that particular truck out of being stuck absolutely not a different truck you always look at those and think man they're going to help somebody out if they get stuck with their winch no that's designed to wrap around a tree and pull their truck out because they know they're going to get stuck and when they get the winch it's a license to get stuck it is
0: no you're Run it out to a tree, like haha! Ha, take that, nature. Uh, I was right. in I was in a four-wheel drive club at one uh, point with my Jeep, and used them in that fashion all the time. Like you're stuck? No, I'm not. <laughs> and yep, I have what it takes. I'm just gonna lay my shirt over this line and winch my way out of trouble, like nothing ever happened. Well, that aspect so, of uh, Montana, the winter driving thing, is
1: for real. It's here. It's early. It's gonna last a while because this snow isn't going anywhere. And so get used to it.
0: And it's probably bringing it all the way back around at the beginning. That's part of the test for uh, all of the transplants that we talk about so frequently on this podcast if you're new to montana welcome good luck because you're gonna need it and if you're brand new to montana and you just
1: got here you're gonna be buying a different vehicle probably in the next month 20 minutes (laughs) how many times do you see you've probably seen it with your neighbors Mm. they show up in one vehicle and you look at it and you're like "Hmm, that's not gonna work very well and then they have a different vehicle in a matter of months in the winter it doesn't
0: take very long actually weeks and then they gotta buy something else yeah, I I do wonder. I do have one neighbor, and they've they've hung on to their Prius. They live where I live. Mm-hmm. I live up in the mountain. It's it's, it's a private road. It's not maintained. Uh, there are times where I need every bit of my four wheel drive to get to work. You uh, guys get across the roads that I've got to take to get to town. And they're four years in, man. And I see him and then, this little shoebox sized <laughs> car. I was like. God bless. Maybe you're just a really good driver. Do they chain up the Prius and put I don't little think chains can. on the front? Put little on the front. I don't can't imagine you can. I mean, you can there's put those no little wire
1: things on there.
0: I mean, there's no clearance. That thing is right down. That's <laughs> like a lawnmower, it is right down to the bottom. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, but God bless them for doing it because I'm convinced that sooner or later, there's just one of them going to come up missing. Right. And uh, they don't. They survive every year yeah. driving their little. They've been pulled out multiple times. Golf cart. Yeah, but you could pull them out with a... <laughs> right. Mini bike. Pick it up. Yeah. You hook it up to your four with it. Yeah. Get four guys, lift it up, <laughs> turn it around, off you go. Maybe that's it. You don't need the winch because <laughs> it's portable. It's like, uh,
1: like taking a like, a like a Hot Wheels car gets stuck. You pick you it know. up, turn it around. That's right. all you need to do. Put it back on the
0: track. All right. That is going to do it for us. Uh, thanks for checking in with the podcast. We are back after uh, a couple of week absence. We'll probably have some more hit or miss as we go through the holiday because... I'm going to uh, I'm gonna throw one last hail mary late in the hunting season at this mess. Yeah. Uh, see if I can get my son to stop making fun of me. And uh, who knows? Uh, maybe they'll find me in the spring because I am fully capable of going out there and making big, <laughs> dumb, stupid mistakes. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever you found it. It is available in all of the places. Thanks again. We will be back next week.